like, you live differently. Why is that? Basically, it all started Well, it's great to be here again. I'm excited to close out a series of talks we've been doing called Everyday Gospel. And these talks are based on a verse, 1 Peter 3.15, that says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So we've been talking about this verse for four weeks because when this verse kind of walks us through how do we actually live in such a way that we can live out our faith and actually tell people about Jesus. And we've talked the last few weeks about how it starts with revering Christ, ultimately making Christ number one in your life. And then when that happens, when you do that, it changes the way you live. And you live differently, and because you live differently, people come up and they ask you about it, and they're like, hey, why do you live this way? And you get the chance to give an answer with gentleness and respect. And we're on the last week of that, which is the give an answer week. And, and the reason we're talking about this this week is because ultimately, we believe as a church that it is our goal to share the love and joy and salvation of Jesus with as many people as possible. And when we say, hey, it's, it's our job to share Jesus with people, that, in our culture, that can be a little bit tricky. I used to work in the business world, and ultimately, uh, when I was in the business world, you could talk about the sports, the weather, or your job, and that was it. Like, even if you talked about your family, that was like a little bit, almost crossing the line, getting a little too personal. In our culture, often talking about your faith can be a very private thing. So when we talk about actually telling people about Jesus, that, that, that sometimes is a little hard in our culture. I was talking to someone who I work with here, and they were sharing that, you know, they, they were talking to their friend. Their friend knows they work at the church here, and uh, they were saying, hey, I know, you know, you, you work at a church, and you kind of tell people about Jesus. He said, you know, if you tell me I should believe in Jesus, I have no idea what that means. I mean, you could tell me I should believe in Tom and follow Tom, because like that, that's just what it means. We, we also live in a culture where people always, often don't have a context of understanding what it actually means to believe, to follow, to revere Jesus. And so today we get to talk about how do we actually give that answer? In our, con in our culture, how do we do that? And what I'd like to do is I'd like to do two things. I'd like to both kind of share why we need to do that and a little bit how to do that. And I think the why is important because, again, in our culture, in our context, sometimes there's this understanding of, well, why, why do you have to actually believe in Jesus? Like, why do you have to do that? Aren't there other things we can do? So I want to share a little bit about the why and then a little bit about the how. And to do that, I have a beautiful whiteboard up here so I can, I can draw for you because I'm a horrible drawer. Um, but I, I think sometimes when we're trying to understand this story, it's helpful, actually, to kind of walk through a little bit and, and to kind of sketch out what it really means. And so I'll do that for you. Don't worry if you can't see it. It'll be up on the screen as well. But this kind of the story of who we are and why we need Jesus starts really where we are right now. It starts with our current life right now. In our current life, we have, you know, some good things in our life. There are good things in this world. There are good things. You have friendships that are great friendships. Right? You have some life-giving friends who you love spending time with. You spend time with them, and it energizes you. Sometimes we do things, and you know, I, I love taking hikes in nature. We are outside, and you see the beauty of God. There's, there are good things in the world. There are good things inside us. We do good things sometimes. We help people out. Now, unfortunately, in our current situation, in addition to the good, there is also bad. There's also bad inside us and in the world. All right, so that, you know, we live currently in a state where there's both good and bad, and we see that every day. We see it every day where we do things we shouldn't do. We say things to our friends and families that we shouldn't say. 
Right? There are times when I say things to my kids and I'm like, why did I say it like that? I love my kids. Why did I yell at my kids like that? You know, we, we do things that we shouldn't do. We do things that we know are wrong and yet we do that. So we live in a current place where there's a mix of good and bad inside ourselves and in the world. Now, most people I know would actually like to get to a different place. They'd actually like to be in a place where there is more good. They'd like to be in a place where there is more good and less bad. Most people I know would prefer that. They say, you know what, I, I know things aren't perfect in who I am. I would like to be a better person myself. I would like the world to be a better place. And then, you know what, if possible, if possible, what I would love to do is actually be in a place where there is no bad whatsoever, where it is all good. We often call that place heaven, right? We often call that place heaven. I would love to be in a place where there is all good, no bad. I, that, would be, that would be the best. So the question becomes, the question becomes, well, how do we get from where we are today to where we would like to be? How do we get to these areas where there's more good, less bad, or maybe that we can get to a place where there is all good at some point? How do we do that? Well, if we look around at what kind of most people are doing around us, what kind of our culture is doing, one of the ways that people try to get to a spot where there is more good is they seek what you might call fun. Or you could call it success. They seek things that they like. Maybe it's adventure. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe you seek things. Maybe it's leisure. I know people who have said, you know, if I could just be on vacation always... Right, when I'm on vacation, I'm not as stressed out. I'm a nicer person. If I could just be on vacation always, then I'd be in this place of more good and less bad. And so one thing, we just kind of seek fun, seek leisure, seek adventure, seek pleasure, things like that could, also, could get us there. Another way that people often say that we could do this is if we would just be nicer. If I could just try hard to be nicer. If I tried harder to be nicer, then there would be more good in me and less bad. If the world as a whole tried harder to be nicer, maybe could fight some injustice, could, could do some of these things where we're all working to be nicer, we work really hard to be nice, then ultimately we'd be at a place where there's more good and less bad. Or, or some people say, hey, you know what? You should join a religion. And, and some people say, join whatever one you want. Some people say, hey, you should join my religion because it gets you there. This is what it does. This is how it works. You should join a religion. Like, these are, I think, some of the most common ways in our context that people actually say, hey, this is how you get from where we are today to where you want to be. So one of the questions comes, all right, how do we decide? How do we decide? Should we be chasing after one of these things? Should we do something? How do we decide what to do to get from here to there? Well, for me, I'm a very logical person. And so in order to decide how we get to there, I need to know how we got to where we are. Like, how did we get to the place where we are? Because if we understand how we got to where we are, that might help us understand how we get to where we want to be. And one of the great things about the Bible and the message of Christianity is that it gives, I believe, the best, most reasonable, most understandable explanation of how we got to where we are today and ultimately how we're going to get to where we want to be over here. And many of us know this message. Many of us know the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible starts with the idea that God created humanity out of an overflow of God's love and everything was perfect. Right? God created humans out of an overflow. God loves. God is ultimately loving and wanted to share that love. So God created humanity out of a desire to share God's love. And when God created humanity, there was this perfect, perfect connection 
Many of us know the story of Adam and Eve and they were walking along. Like the, the Bible uses words like that. Like we walked with God. Have you ever thought, like, what, what, what did that look like? To walk with God. That's the phrase that it uses. There was just this perfect harmony between humanity and God. And unfortunately, what happened is humanity chose to rebel. Humanity chose to rebel. And when that happened, two things happened. The first thing that happened is that humanity was now separated from God. There was a separation. And the reason that happens is because God is absolute perfection. By definition, that's who God is. God is perfect, perfectly loving, perfectly beautiful. And God actually cannot be around things that aren't perfect because that would diminish who God is. So God can't be. So ultimately, when humanity chose to rebel and was no longer perfect, God was like, I love you so much. I still want to be around you. I still want to have a relationship with you, but I can't now because unfortunately, you're not perfect. And so there's a separation between humanity and God. The other thing that happened is that humanity now had what we call a sinful nature. There was a thing inside us that makes us tend to do the wrong thing. That's why you don't have to teach a two-year-old to be selfish. Right? A two-year-old steals other people's toys and then hits them over the head with them. You don't teach your two-year-old, hey, go steal that kid's toy and hit them over the head. If you do, you really need to hear the message today. But, <laughs> but you don't have to teach a two-year-old to do that. They're naturally selfish. All of us are. We are. We are naturally selfish, and, and, and we can try to work hard to try to not be as selfish, but we're naturally kind of sinful people. So ultimately, we're separated from God, and we have a sinful nature. And this also describes why humans have this longing to be over here. Ever wonder why we actually have a longing for the world to be better? Why don't we just accept, oh, this is the way it is? Almost every human I know, actually every human I know, has a longing to be better. They have a longing for themselves to be better and for the world to be better. There's this innate longing, and the reason there's an innate longing for this over here is because we were created like that. We were created with a perfect connection with God. So innate in us is this desire to have a perfect connection, to ultimately live in a place where there is all good and no bad. That's inside us. And that's why all of us get this sense that something's wrong in the world we live in now. And we need some help. But the question becomes, how do we get there? How do we get to that help that we need? Well, how about this kind of seeking fun idea? How does that work out? Does seeking fun reconnect you with God? Does it change the nature of who you are? It doesn't. And that's why we even see, we see people who have lots of wealth who are actually on vacation all the time and they're still not happy and they still feel like there's something wrong. Ultimately, seeking that is not gonna change our nature. It's not gonna reconnect us with God. How about being nicer? We should be nicer. Does being nicer ultimately reconnect us with God? Well, not if we have to be perfect. Because anytime we try to be nicer, there's, it's still mixed. We're not perfect. So being nicer, no matter how nice you try to be, unless you're perfect, it doesn't reconnect you with God. Not only that, being nicer doesn't change the core of who we are. It doesn't change our nature. So being nicer isn't really gonna get us there. And how about following a religion? Well, it depends. Does a religion deal with these issues, these deep issues, separation from God, sinful nature? The vast majority of religions are a version of be nicer. They're basically, hey, try hard to do these things, follow these rules, and that will help you get there. But if you don't deal with the separation from God, if you don't deal with the sinful nature, ultimately it won't get us to where we want to be. Which is why the message of Christianity is so powerful, so beautiful, and so important. Because the message of Christianity is ultimately, yes, you're a mess, 
You deserve to be punished, but instead of you, Jesus sent his son. And it says, hey, if you simply accept Jesus, if that's what you do, if you accept Jesus with your heart, if you say, God, I understand I'm a mess and I need you, what happens is Jesus takes your sin onto him, takes the punishment you deserve, and when God looks at you, instead of seeing the sinful person that you are, God sees the imputed righteousness of Jesus in your life and looks at you and goes, I see a person who's perfect, even though you're not, because we have put our sin on Jesus and he has put his perfection on us. The other thing that happens when we do that is ultimately Jesus comes into our lives. It begins to change the nature of who you are. There is a metaphysical change when we put our faith in Jesus that comes into our heart and begins to change who we are. It doesn't solve everything, but it leads a little bit to this and ultimately it leads to eternity with God. At some point where God will complete the process of transforming us to the place where we can actually go back to having a perfect connection with God. That is the story of the Bible. And that is why this component of Jesus is so important. Because any other way of doing it just doesn't work. This is why Jesus says things like, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. It's not because he's being, you know, you know, being cocky. It's because he's just saying, hey, this is the way it works. This is the way the world works. And he goes, hey, if you want to get to where you want to be, if you want to get to where you want to go, ultimately it's got to go through have your faith in me. And that is why we as a church say, hey, ultimately our goal is to tell people not just, hey, you should come to church or you should be a nice person, but ultimately by putting your faith in Jesus is what leads you to have Jesus in your heart to more good, less bad, and eternity with God. That is an amazing message. That is the good news of the gospel. When we talk about everyday gospel, it's about how do I live this out? And that does lead us to the question, okay, well, how do I share that with people? I mean, I suppose you can draw the little pictures if you want, but most people, they're, they're like, they won't fully understand that. Maybe you can, you can draw these pictures. How do we share this with people? There actually are lots of good ways. There are different diagrams you can use. Some people use diagrams. There are acronyms people use. There's, lot, there's lots of good ways. But, but this morning, I, I want to talk about one way, and, and the way I want to talk about how we can share this with people is the way that it's mentioned in this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. Because 1 Peter 3.15 describes a way and I think it actually might be one of the best ways to describe how we do it in our context that I mentioned. But before we get to that, there is one thing that we can do. Not can do, must do. And that is actually pray. The first thing that we need to be doing when we talk about, hey, I want to share this with my friends, I want to share this with my family, I want to share this with, in, in a culture where it's kind of awkward sometimes to share this, I, I want to do that, we need to pray. We need to pray that God gives us the opportunity. We need to pray for our friends that we know need to hear this. As I was preparing for this, actually a couple months ago when I was studying this verse, God brought a person to my mind, and so I reached out to this person. And I hadn't talked to him for about six months, but I just kind of came to my mind, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. God, you brought this. I, I was kind of, I'll, I'll email the person. I'll email the guy. 
couple weeks later, we end up meeting up, we have lunch, and I walk into the restaurant, he's already sitting down there. Before I can sit down, before I even says like nice, and he's like, hey, how are you doing, that we all say. He says to me, Josh, why did you email me on that day? To be honest, I didn't remember. I was like, it's been a couple weeks ago, I I didn't remember, I was maybe connected to this verse. I, I said, you know what? What I did say to him, because I knew he said, you know, he was going through a rough time. He was going through tough times with his family, going through tough times at work. He had a father who was sick. It's just a lot of rough things going on. He goes, why did you email me that day? Because I literally got your email while I was driving. Shouldn't have checked it. Don't check your email while driving. And he pulled over. And he said, I needed that email on that day. And honestly, what I said to him is I said, you know what? Because this is a guy who doesn't really understand God at all. And he, I'm not going to drive the, all this. I'm not going to explain all this right there to him that day. But I said, you know what? This is the kind of thing that God does. I believe that God does love us, and, and sometimes he prompts me to send you an email on the exact day you need it. And we get together six months from when we've ever even talked to each other because that's what God does for you. And the, the truth is, I don't pray for that friend very much, and I need to. That moment, that day I did, and God, and I, and I guarantee you, If you are doing what this verse says, if you're revering Christ, if you're living that out, if you pray and ask God to bring people, he will. And so the next part of that is, okay, God may bring people, so then I need to be prepared. How am I prepared to give an answer? Well, this is what the verse says. It says, when you give an answer, it says, give the reason for the hope that you have. The beauty of that is what this verse says is you simply need to be able to share your story. This verse does not say, hey, you need to have a, you need to understand and be able to explain a theological treatise on the meaning of life. It doesn't say, hey, you need to be able to answer everybody's questions that they have about faith and all these kind of things. It doesn't say you need to be able to draw this diagram. It doesn't say you need to be able to exegete every passage in the Bible. What it needs to say is, what it says is you need to be able to share your story. Your story. Now, what your story is, is ultimately how following Jesus impacts your life. If you're a Christian, that is your story. Your story is how it impacts your life. Most of the time, people aren't going to come up to you and actually use the words, hey, can you please give me a reason for the hope that you have? So if you're waiting for that... But here's what they might say. You know, they say, hey, you know, your company's downsized, and they come up to you and they say, hey, you know what, you seem... You seem kind of calm, even though things at work are rough. You have another job already, don't you? And you say, well, no, no, actually, I don't. You know, I I am a little bit stressed out, but I I do believe that God is with me, and I kind of have this peace about it. Or somebody might come up to you and say, hey, you know what? You know, I'm sorry. I heard you were diagnosed with cancer. How are you doing? And you say, you know, I am scared. But, but I believe that God is with me and actually loves me, and so, so I do have a hope. Whatever happens, I have a little bit of peace, and I'm still scared, but, but I understand who God is. I was thinking about this for me personally. I was thinking, you know, I, you know how, how does this happen for me? And, and really, the most common thing that people say to me is they'll find out that I have five kids, and they're like, you seem kind of calm even though you have five kids. (laughs) Seriously. It happened to me last night. I was at a barbecue at my son's baseball team with a bunch of people I didn't know, and this woman found out, and she says, you seem pretty calm that you have five kids. And, And I'll be honest with you, often I'm not quite prepared 
to be able to explain. Because the truth is, I'm not by nature a kid person. In fact, I often had to tell myself, Jesus died for my sins, so I will play Candyland with you. <laughs> right? So often, we don't actually want to do what's right to be a good parent. We don't want to do like, yeah. It, and so we have to remind ourselves, I do. And the truth is, I, I was looking at this, and I was looking at my life, and I was trying to understand, what does this mean? Some of you have dramatic stories where, you know, maybe you were really bad, and now you're really good. That's awesome. My story isn't quite like that. I grew up in a great home. I've been a Christian for a long time. But as I began to look at this and reflect on this, I realized, I began to think, you know what? My life would be so different if Jesus wasn't in my heart. I, I would not be a good parent. I've been married 20 years. I would not be a good husband. I don't know if I'd even be married because I'm selfish. I'm by nature selfish. And so I go, if this wasn't who I am, I began to look at this and go, man, I'm so grateful to who Jesus is because how he's enabled me to be. I, honestly, I'm a little afraid of what I would be like if I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And so for us, the question is, hey, are you able to share the story of how following Jesus has impacted you? Are you able to share that with people? Are you able to share, hey, this is the impact it's had on me, and, and this is the impact it could have on you? And it could go different ways. There are some people, we live in a context where sometimes you point people. The barbecue I had last night, the lady said, hey, you're calm with five kids. I didn't sit down and draw this out. I just met the lady. But what I did say is, you know what? I didn't actually intend to have five kids, and I, and I wasn't by nature a good parent, but, but I've grown a lot because I understand who God is. Are you able to share why you do have a hope, why you're less stressed? You may still be stressed. I had ulcers. I'm a, by nature a stressful kind of person but I'm less stressed now. When I look at the impact Jesus had in my life, I go, man, I, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Often Jesus doesn't take you out of these issues and problems, but he promises to be with you through it. That's the story that we have, that God's with us even if things have been rough, that God's with us when things are well. It makes celebrating even greater, it, and it makes the pain a little bit bearable because we understand who God is. We're going to ask the band to come back up, and we're going to have the ability to take communion, because there is no better way to celebrate, to be thankful, to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us than take communion. What Jesus did, right, before he was killed is he got his closest friends together, his disciples, and he sat down and he had, he had a meal with them. He was just having dinner with them, but he used it as a time to kind of teach them. He knew what was coming. They didn't know what was coming. And they were sitting down eating, and, and they all had, you know, a little bit of bread, and he took a piece of bread, and he broke it, and he said, hey, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. They had no idea what he was talking about at the time. Later on, they began to realize, oh, this is what Jesus was talking about. This is Jesus. Was, he was talking about how I'm separated from God, and, and, I, and I'm and I'm sinful, and, and he, he, he died in my place. Right? He took a cup, and he said, this is my blood that's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they had no idea what he was talking about at the time. 
But later on, they began to realize, oh man, I, oh man, this is what Jesus did for me. And we're gonna get a chance to do that. I'm gonna ask you actually, when you came in, if you got a bulletin, you got a little card. Go ahead and take that out for a second because I, I want you to do something. I want you to take some time during this communion to take some time to reflect between you and God. And I don't know exactly where you are in your journey. I don't know where you are on that, on that board that we talked about. I, I don't know where you are in that journey, but I do know that God is here and he wants for you to reconnect with him, for you to be passionate about who he is, for you to be able to share your story. And on this card, it kind of walks through that verse that we've been studying. And the first thing it talks about, it says, revere Christ. For some of us in this room, some of us in this room have never actually made that commitment to say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. You've been trying to do it on your own, you've been struggling, you've been trying to be nicer, and you say, you know what, today might be the day when you need to say, you know what, Jesus, I am gonna revere you. Some of us, there's a second part that says prepare. And some of us, we, we do understand who Jesus is, but the truth is our life hasn't really matched up with that. Our life hasn't fully matched up with that. And so what we need to do actually this morning is take a little moment and kind of repent and say, God, you know what? I, I need to kind of match my life to my belief. Some of us are in that respect category where we're like, you know what? I, I haven't been treating people with respect. I, and I need to do that. And some of us, like this morning, need to focus on our story. We need to reflect, we need to remember. I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna sing. You're, gonna, you're getting served the bread now, you're gonna get served the cup, and this is a time between you and God. For you to reflect and say, hey God, I see where I am and I see where you want me to be. Thank you, I wanna revere you, I want my life to reflect you, and I want to be able and be prepared to share. Let me pray. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.